Good morning. Um, each morning of the retreat, Don and I have had the intention to uh, really kind of lay out the technology of the practice. Like, really, how does this practice work? How does the meditation work? And how do we do it? So, you know, it's, it's, uh, that's something we really want you to have as you uh, leave the retreat so that you can continue your practice well at home. Because without that, you know, this retreat isn't going to be the, the magic pill, you know. So it really does require um, uh, daily commitment. And we're going to be talking more about that, uh, particularly tomorrow morning um, in our closing. So I um, want to continue a little bit more with the template that we've been using uh, and that we do here at Spirit Rock, the template we use when we teach the morning instructions, which really is this four foundations of mindfulness, where we, 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 this was a, a template that was um, written in the, uh, the, the Buddha's teachings, the, the texts that have come down to us. Um, it's, it's not so clear whether uh, the Buddha actually had this template uh, it was one that was kind of formulated quite a t- quite a long time after the time of the Buddha, but just kind of co- compiling his teachings together from the the, the suttas, and then uh, finding that this is really a, a useful way for us to understand the the technology and how this how to practice. So that's the that's what we've been following along in the retreat, and the the first foundation is the body, the breath, the breath and the body, the body and the breath. And really using that uh, foundation as the primary way to ground our attention here and to really arrive, like right, come into the present moment most firmly and uh, in a stable way through the body. And so there's a number of uh, teachings on, uh, from the Buddha on the breath and the body. I shared one of those here in the, more, in the, in the teaching. So we start with that, so that we actually have that sense of being here. I'm here, and I know that I'm here. It's not just that I'm here, but I know that I'm here. So this mindfulness is the quality of knowing. It is what allows us to be conscious of what's actually occurring in our experience. Mindful awareness or consciousness. So the second foundation, then we moved into what's called the, uh, the, the mindfulness of feelings. But in this case, it's not emotions. It's the feeling tone, the, the, the pleasant, unpleasant, and somewhere in between tone of every experience when it arises. It's a pleasant, has a pleasant tone or an unpleasant tone, somewhere in between. And, and that's a very broad continuum to... Uh, very pleasant, <laughs> which you probably, you know, you, you've been traveling this, this continuum on this retreat, like very pleasant, all the way to the other end, which is very unpleasant. <laughs> and, and, and that's really the, the way our experience moves um, all through the day and all through the night, right? 
So, so, and yet the reason that that's so important to actually be able to uh, know is because that's where we get caught in our grasping. We want the pleasant and we don't want the unpleasant. And so the whole of our, of the movement of the mind, the way the mind moves is according to that continuum, unless there is wisdom, unless there is awareness to understand the nature of that grasping, the nature of that clinging, the nature of that uh, resistance, which, is, which, ge- which gives rise to the whole kind of sense of me and what I want and how I want my experience to be. And we get involved in all the manipulative strategies to try to control our experience based on, the Buddha says, based on where we think that happiness lies, which is in pleasant experience. Right? That's, the, that's the misperception that somehow our true happiness lies in pleasant experience. And that's not where true happiness lies. True happiness lies in the non-reactive mind, the mind that doesn't move into grasping, that doesn't move into resistance, that doesn't move into reaction to what's occurring. Well, we're, we're going to talk a little bit more about that this evening. This capacity to be balanced, this capacity to be steady in the face of whatever is occurring. And so, so much of our practice here has been to see if you could be present with what's happening without resisting, without wanting it to be otherwise, without being aver- uh, aversive, without holding on and attaching on to what you like pushing away what you don't like. So we work with that. That's what we work with on retreat, is that the way that the mind moves for and against, for and against, to see if we can find some kind of stability in our mind that isn't moving in that way, where it's more stable, steady. So then the third foundation we did yesterday, this mindfulness of mind, where we start to look at the mind directly, mind is also emotions. So we start to see how the mind and emotional body are intricately connected. So what I think is usually what I feel, and what I feel is what I think. And our whole kind of sense of self comes into being through that construction. And the way that my mind gets constructed around my ideas and my preferences and my beliefs and my views about myself and others in the world. And so we can start to see that more clearly uh, when we look directly at the mind and, and, and look and see, well, what, what is it really? This, this, this uh, whole uh, conceptual world that I take to be real. And I'm, it is self-generated. And so, and then all the feelings, all the emotions that come along with that based on our view And so through mindfulness of mind, we begin to look at uh, the difference between a wise view, a wise view that brings more clarity to the way things are, and an unwise view, which is filled with distortion and confusion, misperception, and leads to pain and suffering. So, So we start to untangle that, right, through looking more directly at the mind. The fourth foundation is only four. (laughs) So, only four, right? (laughs) You know, (laughs) it takes our our whole life to figure it out, 
right? So the fourth foundation is called mindfulness of the dharmas. Generally, that's one way it's trans- translated, or mindfulness of the dhamma. Dhamma is a way of saying it in Sanskrit or Pali. Uh, dhamma, it's, I like saying dhamma. And, um, and so mindfulness of the dham- dhammas has to do with the way that the mind actually turns towards realization, how the mind turns towards an awakened state. So, so by knowing the body as the body, feelings as the feelings, and how we get caught in resistance and uh, aversion and grasping, and knowing the mind as the mind, when we start to clarify the, the territory, the th- in the fourth foundation, we can begin to work with that. It's like that's really where we begin to apply the technology. In the first three, it's just the knowing. Knowing the body is the body, the feelings is the feelings, the mind is the mind. But in the fourth foundation, we gather all that wisdom through our investigations, and then we begin to turn the mind towards the wholesome, towards the skillful, and move away from that which is unwholesome and unskillful. So it's an application. In the fourth foundation, we're actually applying the wisdom of our understanding. It's, it's, it's where we, we actually are working, working our, our, our process, working our experience to wake up. So the way that it's generally, the simplest way that I find that is talked about is if we, we consider the, the hindrances, which is where we start, particularly on a retreat. You know, the, we're just like so aware of the, of the grasping in the mind, the aversion in the mind, the sleepiness, the restlessness, the doubt, you know, all those, those difficult mind states that um, we, we sit and we see are there, right? And, and sometimes we just, we call this, um, we could call it the ordinary mind, you know, it's just a kind of a, the mind that we find ourselves in a lot of the time. And unless there's wisdom, unless, again, unless there's some understanding of what's actually going on, we take, take this to be who we are. You know, I'm restless, I'm sleepy, I'm, I'm desiring and grasping and lusting, and I'm angry and I'm aversive. And it, it's really, we start to identify with those mind states. But when we start to see, as we've been exploring over the week, as we start to see them for what they are, we see that there are these momentary, transitory arisings, thoughts arising and passing, feelings arising and passing, sensations arising and passing, our conceptions arising. They're, they're not so solid. Right? They come and they go. They're not so fixed. I've been wanting to say that there was some research that was done that, that said, I don't know where they, how they do these things, but they said that, that the life cycle of an emotion is 90 seconds. <laughs> if we're just paying attention <laughs> to what's here in a very clear way, 90 seconds. If we don't do anything, if we don't interfere. Right? Arises passes, arises and passes. In, in the Tibetan t- uh, teachings, they call it self-liberating. Everything self-liberates. Right? We don't have to do anything. Everything's just liberating itself. Right? If we can just rest back into that place of steadiness, 
and clear seeing that it's all just happening, right? So, so when, we, when we start to bring in some wisdom, awareness, and we look more closely at these states of mind and these moods and uh, experiences that we have taken to be so personally and seriously and real and solid, they start to break up. And, and the way the mind begins to turn through this, this attention is the, is the mindfulness of the, of the dharmas. So, so that we're actually seeing directly the transformation of the mind and the heart. And so, so the list, again, the list, <laughs> lots of lists in this tradition. So the list, so we have the five hindrances, right? The, the wanting, the not wanting, the sleepiness, the restlessness, and the doubt. We have those five difficult mind states that then turn to what are called the seven factors of the awakened mind. It's beautiful. You know, I mean, it's just, it's a beautiful map. It's a beautiful technology. So as we're practicing, we can actually witness and see the transformation of mind and heart. And so what we see, there's seven, and the first one is the overarching one of mindfulness. Mindfulness is a factor of the awakened mind because it is a quality that is naturally, inherently the mind. It, is, it, is, it has the capacity to know, the capacity to pay attention. Little, little in, you know, after you know, infants start to, the world pops into an infant's mind, it's starting to see and to know and to discriminate and make sense of. It's, it's, just, it's just what happens when we in this human existence. So this is mindful, mindfulness, awareness. So we're, we cultivate that. We use that, that vehicle, as a vehicle to deepen, to deepen into uh, more states of realization. The next, of the, first, the next three are called the energizing factors. It's where the, it's the, they, they energize the mind and it's, and it's investigation, the quality of investigation that we've been applying. Energy, working with energy, when the energy is low, the energy is high, balancing energy. And joy, the joy that arises in the practice. So, so these three begin to show up more of the time. There's a more innate capacity to be interested. There's more uh, energy that's uh, available and, and balanced. There's more joy there's more happiness, there's more engagement, delight about the process, and this is energizing. These are factors of the awakened mind. So we start to, they start to awaken as we do the practice. They get stronger and, and more developed in the mind so that it becomes more natural. There, these, are, these, these factors are more naturally accessible. And then the next three, the last three, are called the calming factors of the mind. And they are um, relaxation or tranquility, uh, concentration, the capacity to be one-pointed and focused and steady with our attention. And the last is equanimity, 
And equanimity is the non-reactive mind. And it kind of all sort of settles into the equanimity because we're, not, we're no longer caught up in our grasping and aversion. The mind just rests into a quality of steadiness. Now these seven factors begin to work together and they energize and calm our experience. Right? Depending on what's needed at any given time. Sometimes there's a little bit more energy, there's maybe too much energy, and then we apply a more relaxation, or we apply a little more concentration. We, we, we pay attention to where we're getting caught in reactivity, and we bring a little bit more equanimity. So these, these seven factors start to become ways that we can uh, work the, the levers of our practice so that we move towards, we're turning the mind towards awakening. We're turning the mind towards realization. And it works. It's a technology that works. And it's, as, as Dawn said, like 2,600 years or 2,700 years, this has been working. That's why, that's why we're sitting here today, you know, nearly 3,000 years later, because it's continued into the, the, the collective consciousness because it has such power and integrity to it. And it also has, its teachings have a certain purity, which I think is amazing, that has kept a certain purity over these thousands of years. So, 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 this, so we bring this technology forward where we can start to work more directly with what we perceive in the mind. Um, the, the energizing, the three energizing qualities of investigation, energy, and joy actually overcome the sloth and torpor. They, they overcome the tiredness in the mind so that we don't experience our, that happening as much. There's a balance of the, of the, these are all balancing. So we start to feel the mind is more steady, the mind is more balanced. The, uh, the calming factors of relaxation, concentration, and equanimity overcome restlessness and worry. So this mind that is actually more agitated and anxious and restless, as we, as we start to apply more of the factors of, of relaxation, more concentration, just stay more one-pointed, and, and develop these, develop these factors, and equanimity, really watch the qual, the way that we get reactive and we get caught in that to work with it, then these factors start to come together. The mind is waking up. And more and more and more, these factors come into balance. When I was um, practicing my long, longer retreats, the three-month retreats, um, these, these became important ingredients in the way that we practice. So when we practice for long periods of time, there are ways to actually, because we have the map, we can, say, we can start to work our practice a little bit differently. So it's not just sitting and being present, but we're actually engaged in the technology. So, so, so for example, we would be encouraged to pay attention to, when our, uh, to our energy, for example. Is the energy too uh, uh, restless or is the energy too, too low, too dull, sinking? And then there's all kinds of ways to work with that. There's all kinds of strategies to help low, uh, bring the energy up or to lower the energy and bring it down. 
So it's like, it's like we, learn, we learn how to use the control panel. It's not like we're doing nothing, right? It can seem like we're just, you know, falling into this kind of presence. But we really start to, because we understand, we know how to begin to work with the mind. And there are, we, we can get um, uh, this information. I think there's, there's some books and, uh, you know, there's, there's things available now. I mean, anything's available on the, on the World Wide Web. But um, if we're interested, we really can start to look more deeply at this particular aspect of how, the, how this practice really works. Or, or when I noticed that... Um, I was getting into a lot of reactivity, then I'd know that I need to work with a little bit more equanimity. You know, just really notice how, how am I getting caught up in that resistance or that uh, the, the attaching and see if I can, again, steady myself. Kind of do through the breath or feel my feet on the ground or have wise reflection around the fact that that thing isn't going to bring me the happiness that I imagine it's going to bring me. You know, because I have the understanding and so then I can rest more into the equanimity. So, so this is the fourth foundation, and, we're, and we're, we, it's a way we begin to turn the mind. We use this word transformation, but we begin to turn the mind towards happiness, and we turn the mind away from suffering. It's called turning the mind towards sukha. Sukha is happiness, and turning the mind away from dukkha from the suffering or the dissatisfactory aspect of reality. So this is really the invitation for us. We can, we can work with this in a very active and engaged way uh, once we understand what we're actually doing. So this is the path. This is this particular path uh, in this tradition, in this Vipassana uh, tradition, in the way that we begin to have some mastery over our experience. We have some mastery over our mind. And, and the Buddha said in one of the, his discourses, which I, of course, I really popped out for me, he said, I am the master of my mind. I think the thoughts I want to think, and I don't think the thoughts I don't want to think. I am the master of my mind. I remember reading that as I Yep, that sounds good to me. I'll I'll sign up for that. <laughs> you know, a little more mastery would be do do be well, especially you know, given how it's so connected to the emotional life and you know how I was feeling emotionally. And so you know, so I signed up for it, and um, it's pretty potent. I must say, it's pretty potent. And those of us who have been doing this for a while. I'm sure you can also appreciate the truth in this. Yeah. That there is some transformational power that is available to us as human beings. Uh, I just, my wish is that more of us would use it. Mm-hmm. So, um, just wanted to kind of fill, that, fill out that template for us. And um, so we're going to do a little practice now. So into your meditation.
So beginning with settling into your body. It's helpful to make direct contact with your body, touching the chair or the bench or the pillow. It's a way to ground into this present moment with a quality of knowing, knowing where I am, Just checking how am how how am I? Just having some sense of the quality of the mind, the heart, the body. As we come back into connection with ourselves. Letting the attention drop into the body. Perhaps feeling your breathing. Noticing where you feel your breathing most predominantly. Drawing on this breathing as a way both to help us connect with this present moment but also as a way of calming, bringing in some relaxation. Having the intention to let go of our thinking, of our story-making, for this period of time. So when we notice ourselves getting caught up in our thoughts and our stories, we have a very gentle intention to disconnect. Not now. Not now. Feeling and sensing the body. Noticing any predominant sensations arising, passing. Sounds. Other sensations, pleasant, unpleasant. And with each breath, letting go. Letting go of any way that we might be holding on. Holding on to our ideas of what we think should be happening or what we want to be happening. Just let go. Let go to into being receptive and welcoming to just that which is arising and passing on its own. Things come uninvited and they seem to have their own life cycle and we allow 
this changing landscape of experience. If you find that when you rest into your experience, you feel quite settled, quite present, rest more into that without needing to do very much at all. Don't need to try to be mindful. Don't need to try to make anything happen. Don't even need to be with your breathing. Just rest into the openness itself, the open awareness. Sometimes we call this choiceless awareness. Where the one who chooses just drops back. We allow the awareness to move where it's interested. Awareness finds its own areas of interest. If you find while you open up that you may get a little bit lost or confused or can't find yourself or know what's happening or your mind starts to get busy, then we come back ground through the breath, through the body. Even if it's finding one breath, one half breath. In this way we begin to balance and steady our experience so that we're not always engaged in trying to make something happen Just let go. Let go into the openness, the spaciousness. It's intelligence. Everything happens on its own. Arising and falling back. Our job is just to be present for this changing, passing show. Watching the way that the clinging or wanting arises in the mind. Watching the way the resistance arises, judgment or aversion, letting go.
before I um, rang the bell, I had this thought that um, why I love the this particular list, this particular list of the seven factors of awakening so much. And I, I remembered, uh, you know, when I was just so curious, as probably many of us are, is uh, what what is the mind of a Buddha really like? What is that? You know, we talk about the mind of the Buddha, the happiness of the Buddha, you know, Buddha nature. We're all Buddha. We all have Buddha nature. You know, we hear these words, but what, what is that? And, and this is a pretty good peek into the mind of a Buddha right here when these seven factors are all in place, all in balance. Mindfulness, investigation, that curiosity, inquiry, energy, joy, but yet relaxed, tranquil, concentrated, one-pointed, the mind of samadhi, and equanimity, non-reactive, not moving. Really lovely kind of, just a peek, you know, there's other ways we can begin to talk about it, but I just love that as a way to, you know, for myself to begin to start to work with specific uh, uh, tools to start to get a sense of what that is. So Dawn and I would like to uh, open up the floor and enter into conversation with you. Um, I'm going to have this turned off. <laughs> <laughs>